and welcome to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm Justin Thin. Today I'm joined by my colleague over at 24-7 Sports, fellow Michigan State recruiting reporter Corey Robinson. Corey, big day, uh, pretty much as big as it gets in our line of work. Um, not too much drama for Michigan State today, but how are you feeling? How's it been? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, a hell of a three weeks, uh, especially yeah. the last uh, 72 hours or so has been uh, pretty yeah. crazy just with the staff coming in late and uh, having to fill the class up so quickly in the transfer yeah. portal where usually this stuff is done most for the most part in June or July and th- this year it's definitely been shotgun but right. it gives us some adrenaline to run on. <laughs> for sure yeah this this has been a fun few weeks here with uh, the new staff coming in and they still don't even have all 10 of their assistants um, on the staff. Uh, still technically just eight officially hired and um, they don't have a full recruiting department yet. I know Cole Moore has done a, a, done a good job carrying a lot of the heavy lifting and um, they have a couple other guys that also came over from Oregon state, Michael doctor, director of recruiting, another one. And the, the thing of it is though, is like nobody cares and everyone still has to, everyone demands results and you have to go ahead and, and get these guys signed and get a solid recruiting class and a solid portal class because this really sets the foundation for um, not so much the high school class as that probably won't pay dividends for another two or three years and at a lot of positions, but especially the portal class where it sets the trajectory of your rebuild of how are you going to do in year one and then how much juice are you going to have on the recruiting trail in your second off season, which is your first full one and all that. So these first three weeks were absolutely crucial in how they were going to define their tenure at Michigan State, and I think they've done a great job in that regard. Um, we can talk about some of the portal guys as well. Obviously, the Aiden Childs, Jack Vellings of the world, but I guess just chronologically. Um, so I guess naturally, one of the portal guys we'll talk about that way. But chronologically, today, this morning, um, one of the first real developments was Michigan State picking up a transfer defensive end from Middle Tennessee State. Quindary Stunigan, 2023 Conference USA second team. And a lot of pass deflections, not a ton of sacks, uh, but good amount of tackles, good amount of pass deflections. Off the surface for me, I see a guy that would be a much better addition than a Drew Jordan, but also not somebody that is going to be probably all conference. I think he's going to be a guy that could be a fringe starter, maybe a starter, uh, but definitely a rotational piece and an impact player. What do you make of Quindarius, Corey? Yeah, it's looking at his tape, which obviously I've only watched it a couple times, uh, you, you see that he's got pretty good burst. I think he's more of a strong side guy where, you know, he's going to be good against the run and then kind of bracket the guy in, the quarterback in a little bit. He's got, like you, you mentioned Drew Jordan. I think he's got more explosive athleticism than him uh, and probably longer arms, so uh, yeah, I think I think he'll be a solid addition. I mean, he's not going to be a guy right. that you expect, like Jacoby Winman, where he came in and just like got stacked up a bunch of sacks. But he's going to be a guy that's going to uh, help you stop the run, which is if you talk to defensive coaches, that's the first thing every defense wants to stop start with. So so right. he'll he'll definitely do that. And then obviously he's got good timing and active hands to be able to get eight deflections in one season. Yeah. Yeah, that shows like good awareness too. Like he knows, all right, I'm probably not going to win this rush 
uh, based on like kind of two seconds into the into the rush, you can kind of see it. I haven't gotten good leverage by now. I'm probably not going to get there by the time the quarterback throws it. Just having awareness and football IQ to just say, all right, now I'm going to become a pass defender instead. And yeah. that's a good skill to have. And he also, having played a lot of football, kind of gives you stuff like that. And he kind of knows yeah. – maybe what play is coming whereas he might not be a freak athlete that's going to be able to shut down every play just off of off of athletic nature but he's seen stuff that other guys haven't seen to make up for it um yeah, 17 and a half tackles for loss in two yeah. seasons too is pretty good so for sure so as he he gets good push against the run and kind of just yeah. his spot and uh makes uh, plays in the backfield still even if it's not a sack Right, exactly. Yeah, like not everybody is going to be a pass rusher at defensive end. Some guys are just going to be solid run stoppers. And there's guys in the NFL that make a lot of money doing that. They might not make Pro Bowls and get Defensive Player of the Year consideration because sacks are like the shiny stat that everyone looks at in that regard. But a lot of teams have a lot of guys. Brandon Graham has has done that for the Eagles for 14 years now. It's just you 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 need guys of different molds at all the spots of the defensive line. And I think this is a great sort of pickup in regards to the impact that he could have and the winnable recruiting battle that they kind of um, managed here and navigated. Um, they didn't get into a battle where there's 18 schools that are after a kid and Florida State and Texas A&M are throwing big bags. Well, at the same time, it's not just because he's not going to be an impact guy or because people have given up on him or no one wants to give him a flyer. He's a good player that you didn't need to battle Miami and Florida State for. You got him on campus. You got him to commit without taking any more visits, and that's just a nice clean-cut recruitment. And that's kind of how this staff has been efficient this whole time. And kind of the way that I look at it is this right now, he probably is Michigan State's fifth best transfer out of five, right? Maybe four, probably fifth, right? Yeah, I I think so, just because I think the other ones are so solid. Right. So based on that, if he's your fifth best transfer by the end of things, which he won't be, I'm pretty sure. But even if you were your fifth best transfer at the end of things, and this is a Conference USA second team guy, I think that alone is a very good pickup right there based on that sentiment alone. As we know, they're going to add more guys later this window. They're saving spots for the spring too. So it'll be, it'll be good. Good portal class. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Uh, You're seeing guys that are coming in that have had impacts on Mm -hmm. their teams, which I think is a key thing. I think in the past we saw some guys come in really early that they didn't really have any track record at the previous stops. Uh, So uh, I I like that they're getting guys that they know what they're getting out of them as a college football player. And I think every single guy out of the five right now, they're either going to start or they're going to be in the two deep and basically get starter snaps. Right. Yeah, definitely really smart pickups there. Yeah. And also, like, they're continuing to make sure that for at least right now, like the first couple weeks of December, they're not reaching for anyone that they don't believe won't be a rotational player. Now, in in the spring, I think at that point, when you look at how many scholarships you have left, like, let's say they have four scholarship spots in spring, right? And you feel like, all right, we're pretty good at starting level and maybe rotational level spots at these guys. So let's take a redshirt freshman safety that maybe didn't get a good chance at the school he was at. And that's where we kind of start taking your guys like like a Marky Lowry when Mel Tucker and the staff got him. I thought that was a fine pickup. But I don't think that's kind of one of those things where you're like, oh, he has to be my very first pickup right when the portal opens type of thing. So like, I don't mind those guys. I, I thought actually Marky Lowry has played well at Michigan State in the rare times he's healthy. 
But guys like that need to be managed in the timeline sense where it doesn't need to be the guys you're running after and grabbing right away. They're grabbing the impactful guys that can come in and play right now. And then they know in the spring, hey, in the spring, a lot of guys that enter the portal are those guys that maybe they, they don't like where they're at on the depth chart. Or maybe if the new staff that came in at their school, um, they don't like them as much as they thought they would when they first got hired in December. And maybe in April, they're like, oh, this new coach that, I don't know, if you're talking about Indiana, this Kurt Signetti guy that we hired in December, I thought he was good, so I stuck around in Bloomington. But now it's April, five months of this guy. I'm not a fan of him. Now I'm hitting the portal. So there's a lot of guys that enter the portal in the spring where, A, like I described there with not liking the new coaching staff that could be starters that enter, and also, B, my original point of guys that maybe fell to second team, and they're not happy about that, and that's where Michigan State could take a flyer on those guys at that point, not right now necessarily. So I definitely like their portal strategy there. Um, okay, so wanted to go chronologically. Spent a lot of time talking about the portal there, but the next thing that kind of happened today that was notable, I guess really the only – two things that happened today that were notable really because everything else we kind of knew that that was on the horizon mm. but that's rylan jesse from la mesa california uh right outside of san diego committing to michigan state six foot three 200 pounds 86 rated by 24 7 sports 0.8404 by the composite so that's the most common trend i've seen this whole entire month is 24-7 rates every single West Coast kid higher than the composite because our West Coast guys, Brandon Huffman, Blair Angulo, Greg Viggins, they know that this staff um, not necessarily deserves the benefit of the doubt, but at least deserves extra due diligence and scrutiny for these guys and maybe looking for reasons of, hey, why might this guy deserve to be rated higher? Because I believe you were saying, Corey, that you talked to one of them and they basically described um, right after Smith was hired that, they're going to take some guys that you're going to scratch your head about, and then they're going to become all conference players two years later. So yeah. that's that's <laughs> they, why they, yeah. they've they've learned from uh, what's happening and kind of like right. taking a deeper look. Plus, I think you know even if you didn't work for twenty four seven and you were being honest with yourself, though they're the three best guys on uh, the West Coast, regardless right. of where they work. So I mean. <laughs> so maybe them rating them higher is just because they're better than everyone else over there. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> so I, I think Michigan State fans, they're going to be very frustrated with the composite this this tenure, um, whereas maybe not so much in the past, especially down south where maybe the composite was often higher than than where the 24-7 rank was. So I think, uh, yeah, anyway, back to Rylan Jesse. Uh, so this very interesting development here where – on Sunday, our colleague Stephen Brooks at Spartan Tailgate, he had said, um, he kind of told us, he's like, hey, I found out this quarterback, Rylan Jesse, committed to Utah State, visited Michigan State, going to dive into this more. He did dive into it, and um, it seemed like he was sticking with Utah State. Then we're scrolling the timeline today, and there he goes, committing to Michigan State, signing with Michigan State. Greg Biggins posted an article here an hour ago and, and Ryland basically told him I committed to Michigan state late, late last night and it all happened at the last minute. So that kind of explains how that went down. Probably something to do with Tyler cherry there. Um, but I'm, but at the same time, it seemed like Michigan state had kind of moved on from him before cherry even went towards Indiana. So that's what kind of made it a little hard to read, but still very interesting how that played out. Uh, just real quick for me watching his tape. Jesse's a guy that he is very good at extending plays that was the number one thing I kind of saw there. He has a live, live arm. Um, I don't see any plays where he's throwing about 70 yards downfield, but he has a live arm with great velocity, but he also doesn't throw one speed, and he has good touch. Corey, what do you think of the pickup for Rylan Jesse? Yeah, he's someone that the staff uh, at Oregon State, they were in on him 
for months and months trying to get him. Uh, and they actually uh, struck out twice with him at right. Oregon State. But then uh, Tuesday night, they kind of went back after him again. Uh, and the bigger brand of Michigan State uh, was what ended up sealing the deal to go along with those relationships. He felt comfortable right. enough uh to come do it because uh like over utah state has done a good job developing quarterbacks yeah, at their level uh and they've had good offenses so so they have a pretty good eye for that type of recruit that's maybe not you know the five star four star that everyone's after uh so i think he was a huge pickup late that gives you that solidifies the quarterback room which I think yeah three weeks ago you had zero scholarships uh, players in it after everybody had left for the portal. Now you have uh, Aiden Childs, who's a, a bona fide star in the making. Uh, as a starter, you got two solid 2024 guys uh, signed and locked in. And then I would expect, you know, they probably kick around the transfer portal and see if they can find like a, yeah. a grad transfer type guy to just have there for just in case you have an injury or something like that. Yeah, uh, if the true freshmen aren't ready, but you even if you don't do that, you've solidified your quarterback room already for 2025, where you can just take the the one guy in the class like you prefer to out of mm-hmm. high school each year, and you know just kind of develop him and wait for him to get his chance and compete with the 24s after uh, Aiden Childs is done at Michigan State. Yeah, I, I think right now the way I look at it is definitely a good call to get three guys. Yeah. And um, because mostly I don't necessarily know what they'll get from the portal, I think we'd all definitely agree that they should try to get somebody from the portal. Yeah. Um, you, you ideally would like to have somebody that has experience back there. But the thing is, is I said the same thing on the board and when I was talking to Matt Sheen on his podcast, but Michigan State is not going to get a quarterback like, Last year, or yeah, like 2022, where Michigan got Alan Bowman from Texas Tech because he wanted to simply ring chase. And Michigan had made the, the playoff the year before. They were in a good spot to make it last year, and they did. And Bowman comes in there. He sits on the bench. He just wants to be at a big-time program, and he's okay with sitting on the bench. Michigan State's not going to get some impactful guy that has a long track record of success at a above G, above a G5 rank like he did at Texas Tech. No one's coming to ring chase and sit behind an 18-year-old Aiden Childs of Michigan State. Now, with that said, they're going to get somebody they if they want. Yeah. They're going to be able to get somebody that, hey, I don't know, made-up player type, but somebody that at Bowling Green maybe wasn't very good, but he was the start of the whole year, maybe 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, yeah. 24-year-old, 60-year guy. But then my question is, if you have that guy, would you rather turn to him in week nine if there's an Aiden Childs injury, or would you rather turn to an Alessio or a Ryland? I think you can go either way, but the fact of the matter is I think it's better to have that guy on the roster than not yeah, and then make that case. decision. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, then there's no pressure, and you can let the freshman beat out the uh, the veteran like you saw Aiden Childs right. do uh, at Oregon State where he was able to pass up the previous year starter there for them. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I think too, like like you said, they they might not have to do it now. They can do it in the spring. Yeah. Once you get some guys that maybe they make an emotional decision because of something with a coaching staff, and then you right. might might walk into something bigger than you expected in January or February. But you, mm-hmm. you know, either way, they solidified the room by having three capable guys uh, in the room right now as soon right. as they start up here. So 
So they, they answered that big question mark that they had to immediately answer when they walked in the doors. Yeah, I think the spring would be the best time to get that portal guide because what usually I think, I mean, I guess it depends what type of player they're looking for, but I think somebody that is maybe going to fall to QB2 um, at another school that has maybe a very entrenched quarterback. Um, maybe like, let's see if UCLA gets um, Malachi Nelson and then maybe Ethan Garbers wants to transfer and he figures, hey, QB2 here or QB2 elsewhere with a better coaching staff and maybe a quarterback that's more susceptible to getting hurt. I don't know, just scenarios like that where I think somebody after the depth charts are looking looking less favorable to themselves in the spring maybe want to look around and may not be as opposed to being a backup at Michigan State if they know that he was going to be a backup at his current school anyway. But yeah, that pretty much covers the two new developments today. Um, usually your signing day is even less eventful for us kind of behind the scenes than this because every single kid is already signed or sorry, committed. And then we just push out the articles for maybe someone that's announcing that day that we also know is committing. Um, but at the end of the day, like everything's pretty much pre-written. Here uh, with Quindarius, we knew that like Michigan State was somebody that he visited and that he was probably leaning towards Michigan State. That part was not a secret, but there was kind of chatter that he wasn't looking to necessarily lock down a decision. He might have visited other schools. So um, the timing of it being today this morning was kind of surprising. And then with Ryland, obviously, as I laid out the, the Steven thing where we weren't expecting him to commit. So for us, this is about as eventful as a signing day as, as we ever get. And um, definitely, definitely fun, definitely fun for us and, and fun for everyone else too. And um, Corey, I know you're on mute over there um, trying to talk. So, okay, go ahead. <laughs> signing day here. Uh, but yeah, yeah. the uh, for, for us, like I had made a thread on the Shawline VIP board for mm-hmm. anyone that's a subscriber where I'd put in when they committed. Right. And then I would link the article because this is yeah. one of those rare cases where usually the guys were committed and they took their official in June. So there's mm-hmm. so much that's changed since then. Right. where all of these articles were yesterday, two mm-hmm. days ago, uh, less than a week ago. So literally not, nothing was going to change by what they were going to tell us. So, yeah. so you just kind of rehash what you have out there uh, in this case, where in years past, obviously you would have to, you know, go like, oh, so how's this, blah, 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 you know, just kind of catch up with the guys where they're at, where this year it was crazy while we did it in that that week, the last week or so but in the same way almost did our signing day work for us uh, a little yeah. ahead of time so then we can kind of be ready for the 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 crazier development yeah, yeah. i i i think the the best part about it is like michigan state was like 90 something like 97th or something when yeah. um jonathan smith got here and i think you mentioned you might have seen 102 like 10, after 10, that or 104 after right. hasselbeck, hasselbeck. yeah 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 um so from there to now, I believe I saw their 52nd right before we pressed record here. Um, 53rd on the composite and then 41 overall, okay. which includes portal ranking, uh, which they have a top 25 portal class. And then it should get a bump here in a, like, yeah. a couple and hours. Yeah. As we're, we're recording right now, it's 118 when Corey says that. So, yep. Brady Pretzlaff should be announcing around 3 o'clock Eastern. Um, so yeah, right now, all of the recruits are signed except, uh, Jaden Walker, who, uh, we could talk about him in a second. And then Justin Denson, who 
yes, publicly isn't signed, but um, he should be in the fold here as well. Just his um, his uh, signing ceremony is is the delay there, as you as you have found out. So yeah. the Jaden Walker thing, I guess we won't go into it too much. Uh, maybe after he makes his final decision, but as you have reported, he's waiting until the February signing window. Um, Lincoln Riley has come up to visit him in person at Portage Northern. His assistants have flown up here. They're really prioritizing him. Um, I'll kind of give my two cents on it, but I guess any anything you want to add on Jaden Walker there, or do you want to mostly? Yeah, wait? yeah. I talked to uh, some people there today, and uh, Michigan State like reiterated that they're going to be patient with him with the decision, yeah. and they're going to stay with him and not recruit over him. Um, and I think. I think it will maybe it'll give him a chance to see how much USC was hard selling and how much they want him type of deal. Mm-hmm. Because now, now does USC keep looking for other guys or fill up in the portal or do they hold right. a spot? So yeah, definitely, definitely something to keep an eye on. I'm still kind of feeling like I expect Michigan state, but obviously right. we're not finding today at least some wiggle room. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to touch on a little bit briefly, the hard sell that Lincoln Riley's giving him. Um, my kind of perspective on Jaden Walker is that he's going to be good later in his career when he completes his transition from safety to linebacker after a couple of years, once he bulks up, um, once he kind of learns the linebacker position more so. And he was a smart safety to begin with, so I don't expect it to be any problem. It's not like you're making a ton of projection but not everyone plays as a freshman or a true sophomore retro freshman. And I didn't think he was going to be one of those guys that was going to have a huge impact right away. But Lincoln Riley has a different evaluation on him and thinks he's going to be the hero of the defense. And Lincoln Riley, not necessarily a ball knower when it comes to defense. Um, I wonder if that's just him being disingenuous to try to say whatever to get the kid to commit, or if maybe that's his real evaluation on him. Either way, I don't think that Michigan State should – do anything differently than what they're doing now they shouldn't make oh they shouldn't over promise just to try to get them just because that's what lincoln riley's doing if if the kid and and um his mom decide that usc is best then good luck to them um i don't think michigan state needs to change their approach at all in this recruitment and if uh, walker sticks with michigan state good for him if he doesn't good for him as well but i don't think michigan state should change their approach just because lincoln riley is possibly saying stuff that I don't know if I necessarily believe, but that's just my two cents on it. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. uh, this staff is really good at uh, they, they know where the value of guys are. They're not right. playing. They're not playing the 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 desperation game yeah. that we saw here previously, where right. uh, sometimes you're bidding against yourself a mm-hmm. couple years ago yeah. for guys. But uh, but yeah, so I, I think they know what the value are. They know what they have to work with as a program and they know right. what they need to win. So, so they've got to handle that the, right. the right way. And like Walker's a, a high upside kid, but mm-hmm. I, I think uh, everybody knows that it's probably two to three years before right. he's ready to be a big 10 linebacker just because of the size and right. stuff like that. He's not, you know, he's got to add some good weight. Right. For sure. Yeah. And, I can see the appeal, obviously, like USC. I, I get that they're like very, very, very shaky at defense, but Danton Lynn, I I kind of liked him when he was at UCLA and I tweeted about how MSU should have hired him, but mm-hmm. I don't know, like Lincoln Riley throwing $2 million at him and, and like a housing stipend and thinking that's just going to fix their whole defense. And then just his blueprint, which 
it, it makes sense on the surface, but his approach and application is kind of lazy where he thinks, oh, I'm just going to recruit Midwest defensive kids, West Coast offensive kids, and suddenly my defenses are not going to be soft. You still have to recruit the right kids, and you still have to have val- evaluate them correctly. And the guy that's going to be developing, Jaden Walker, if he goes to USC, is a former head coach in North Dakota State that hasn't handled a position group in a while. And I don't know. And Dante Williams, their cornerbacks coach, just left to take the Georgia job, and they're having five stars transfer out left and right. And I don't think Corey Foreman was that good, the five star that just had a defensive end. So I'm not gonna not gonna laugh at Lincoln Riley for that. But I don't know. I just if if I was a defensive recruit, I'm not going to USC. Yeah. Um, I would. I don't blame the kid for taking the OV. I probably would too if yeah, I was really. 18, 17, and Lincoln Riley's flying over here. The least I can do is take a free yeah, trip yeah. to Los Angeles in December, no doubt. But um. I'm not trusting Lincoln Riley to develop me as a linebacker personally. <laughs> or um, be patient with me. <laughs> right, exactly. And and I, that's not like Michigan State bias. Like there's other schools that I could recommend that I would instead say would be a good choice to go to. Um, even like an even like a I guess if you're looking for a flagship flagship school, that's maybe been annoying to Michigan State. Oregon, I would say. Definitely if if Oregon <laughs> is recruiting him right now instead of USC, I think that'd be a good move for him. Um, even like a Texas with the new Steve Sarkeesian um, era defenses they have there, even though he's the offensive guy. But like, yeah, I just USC, I, it's just not it for me in terms of defensive guys. Yeah. Um, all right, looking at just kind of the class as a whole, they're gonna end up with two four twenty four seven sports four stars: Rustin Young, Nick Marsh. Um, big that they kept Nick Marsh in the fold here. Great pickup in Rustin Young there. So offensive line, Corey, they're gonna have Rustin Young, a six foot five. True offensive tackle, 275. Uh, Peyton Stewart, six foot seven, 270 pounds. Another true offensive tackle. And then uh, Mercer Lunowski, uh, another true offensive tackle. So three true OTs. And then you have uh, Rakeem Johnson, the undersized Boise interior offensive lineman that's been held back ranking wise just because of his size. And um, the other Lunowski twin in Big Chuck. So Good online class. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, looking at how it evolved from uh, a four-man class and then A.J. Dennis goes, decommits, ends up at uh, Illinois. Um, Logan Bennett uh, out of Maryland. I think he's going to end up at Maryland. But I I think uh, you can easily see that there's an upgrade with the, the three guys they brought in where Rustin Young and A.J. Dennis are kind of that same type of recruit, you know, right. profile, four-star. Uh, Rustin probably develop, or uh, slides out to offensive tackle easier than uh, A.J. I think A.J. would be a, a really good left guard at Illinois. So I think there's that trade-off there. And then when you look at uh, uh, the other guys, Stewart, Johnson, uh comparing them to Logan Bennett. They're both better than Logan Bennett. Uh, Logan Bennett's kind of a, a a big guard that, you know, you, you could probably count on him for run blocking, but, you know, those guys can't necessarily pass block as well just with that type of body right. build. Uh, so I think, I think they upgraded overall at the offensive line. I'm a person that loves offensive line, and I think you should take five right. guys in every single class because with the injuries and guys just not panning out because of – development or whatever else uh i, I think right. you always take five and let the let everything settle itself out and you can the guys that aren't playing can eventually go the way of the portal and you just keep replacing and replenishing right that. so so very very smart move on my part if 
if I'm the coach, I'm taking five offensive linemen every year. So oh, yeah. kudos to the staff for doing that. Because we yeah, haven't and, seen that at Michigan yeah. State in a long time. <laughs> yeah. And I also like that all the offensive tackles, they're of that variety where they started out as um, – underweight i guess you can say not as really underweight but like once they get to campus have to add 20 pounds as opposed to the offensive tackles that are like six seven three thirty five like a miles mcveigh and then you have to transform their body the other way and hope they get more athletic whereas here you're just adding weight and thinking hey they'll probably still be athletic like peyton stewart's playing basketball playing center um and I think at the end of the day, like these guys have the perfect mold and the archetype to kind of come up and be the kind of true offensive tackles that Michigan State started to get, like a Stanton Rammel and Ashton Lepo under Coach Cap, but didn't really see the field. Um, I think now they're going to be able to finally see the field, mostly because th- those guys are now starting to become the upperclassmen. Yeah. So I think this is really going to be where the offensive line rebuild starts because it was always going to take a few years for the offensive line. The complaint that I had um, was never about the time and people like didn't want to listen that it was going to take three, four years for the O-line rebuild, if not even more, because really the first real O-line class was 22. And even those kids this past season um, were not going to be playing as retro freshmen. So it was probably even going to take more than the three, four years I said. But the issue is like the older guys regressed and the right guys weren't playing. So those are all fair criticisms. But I always said that even with Cap, all the flaws people said that I don't think that the timeline was bad. It was the same back in Duplain. Those guys should have been a little better. But now, again, you have an offensive line coach that everyone out west, unbiased, independent people are saying he's the best offensive line coach west of the Mississippi River. I think maybe even west of like Michigan or something like that. And even even him, we'll see. But I don't think Coach M is going to be magically getting left tackles in the portal to come in and be All-Americans. And I think it's still going to take a while. We'll see how long. Hopefully the older guys don't regress and the younger guys develop. But I don't think this is going to be an overnight retool. But I do think this is a good foundation to start the, start the process. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it helps that he has those 22s that uh, will be right. a lot more physically ready, uh, bringing Ethan Boyd and Brandon Baldwin mm-hmm. back. Uh, from the 21 class, who they had a lot. Uh, Baldwin has a lot of starts under his belt. He just right. needs some refinement, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Steven's a, a fan of him, so if he doesn't yeah. pan out, then you can come <laughs> after Steven. Um, where where I, I, I publicly went out for on a limb for Ethan Boyd a little more. I think he's going to yeah. be a really good right tackle. And then uh, Ashton Lepo. Uh, he's he's a guy that can make that big jump that can help yeah. solidify it because I mean he's you look at him he's six eight probably three twenty just he's just a massive NFL looking left tackle right so so if he he's probably ready to make that big jump up and challenge for a starting yeah. job at least uh, and with good coaching which he's going to receive uh, he's one that I think if him and Boyd can solidify the tackle position enough to the yeah. point where where they're not completely whipping blocks and getting the quarterback cut, killed like we saw last right. year from Spencer Brown and a couple times with Brandon Baldwin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like that's a big key. And then I think for me, I think they need to find a center mm-hmm. just because you want an experienced guy there that kind of right. knows the play calls and stuff like that. So if I'm uh, Michigan State, you know, I'm, I'm looking for that and 
hopefully, I guess you, we'll have to look over the, the Oregon State roster here and see what they have in that position group because I think it wouldn't come as a shock to me that after December 29th bowl game they have that some of those guys enter the portal after that. Yeah. And, uh, I would assume this coaching staff would uh, quickly go on the guys they want. Right. They don't have a lot of guys on O-line that have remaining eligibility. I think Joshua Gray, one of the tackles, was one of them. And I think they might have one more, but I think three or four of their starters were off to the NFL after this year. Yeah. But some, but, but programs all over the country, like to your That's point, after neat. the bowl game, they'll definitely have guys enter. Um, I remember I was watching the Marshall um, Frisco Bowl last night uh, with Marshall and UTSA, and uh, their best edge rusher entered this morning right after playing in that yeah. bowl game. So you're going to see that all over the country here. Yeah. So that's why, like what I was saying earlier, the fact that they're, they haven't taken any flyers yet as of yeah. this morning in the portal is definitely that's good. Smart. Right. It's not to say they shouldn't take flyers in, in the spring or at the very end of this window, but just that you shouldn't have taken them in the first two yeah. weeks. Um, and that's, that's great to see. Um, yeah. Like I, yeah. Won't, I won't tie names to it, but I, I think, uh, people, if they do a little research on last year's portal, there are some names that immediately were picked up quickly, and you know, like we we didn't even have mm. anything to say for it. Like we couldn't even be like, well, maybe. Like like yeah. we, we saw it, and we're just like, yeah, I don't understand why they took him either. But yeah. here we are, and then it it made them not be able to go get some better names that jumped into yeah. the portal weeks or weeks later. So mm. like that, that was absolutely poor planning and. Uh, some bad uh, evals from guys that uh, thought they were better than they were based off of their previous time with them. Right. For sure. Yeah. That's well said. Um, I guess we'll have some superlatives um, where Steven is going to be collecting those and we'll put those out. Mm -hmm. But one of the superlatives that I was going to ask you about, who do you think is the most underrated player in this class? So not necessarily who's going to be like the best player in the class, But given where they're ranked right now, and we'll say the 24-7 rank, just because that's even more favorable for all of these guys, uh, versus what they're going to be. Um, I, think, I think we have the same one, probably. Okay. All right. So, so, so you take somebody else. I'll, 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 <laughs> uh, so, so I won't go with him. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go uh, Peyton, Peyton Stewart. Okay. Because uh, six foot seven, uh, really long arms, big wingspan, very good feet. Uh, mm-hmm. He when he shows up and he's lancing, I think he could uh, show Madi how to do that drop step that I <laughs> retweeted last night. Like, yeah. uh, so I, I think he's a guy that you know he's going to come in as a three star. I think he's mm-hmm. somewhere in the top thousand off the top of my head. So he's yeah. not like he's like way out there like Logan Bennett or someone like that. Uh, yeah, but. But I, I I'll pick him since I, I'll let you have the the one that we're both gonna go with. But yeah, I think he's a a really strong pickup that will uh, outperform his ranking. Right, and yeah, that's that's very true. And and with the offensive tackles, that's where ranking matters the absolute least because it's the most projectable or the most projection oriented position in all of recruiting where. Yeah. Um, everyone pretty much has to do something to their body, whether it's gain weight or lose weight. Um, and you're trying to project how will they do after that change. Um, nobody is really 6'6", 6'7", 315, 3'10". You have to get to that point after you get on campus. Um, and he has to add here 30 pounds, 35 pounds. And when he does that in the next two, three years, 
that is going to be a different player than he is now. And I, like you, would definitely gamble on him maintaining his uh, his athleticism and being a very good prospect in that regard. Whereas, so right now he's the 64th ranked offensive tackle. For all we know, 41 of those guys, after their bodies change, they, they play um, in a less impactful way than they had been playing in their high school tape. And maybe 20-something of them are going to be even way better than they were in high school. And then there might be 40 kids behind Peyton Stewart that might not even have profiles that are at North Dakota State and Bucknell that end up being offensive tackles and some of the four stars right now. So that's just how offensive line recruiting always goes. And um, definitely agree with that. But yes, the guy that I was going to say is Andrew Brinson IV uh, from Tampa, Florida. Um, he was the first prospect whose tape I watched after I found out that Jonathan Smith was going to be the next head coach. Um he basically has all the tools you need from a corner. Um, basically, a lot of these guys at corner, they are able to do one thing very well, whether it's like um, Charles Brantley, he liked to hit people, but his frame was never going to be, or I guess I guess if he would have added weight, it would have been a different story, but his frame had been at the time preventing him from actually really pressing, uh, being a, pr- a tough press man corner. And also him being a consistently strong run support corner. And uh, that's why he's never really been able to move into nickel because they don't really necessarily want him having to take on blocks and pulling guards and stuff like that if he's helping from the edge. So he was always going to be limited. Um, then there's other corners like an um, uh, like an Antoine Booth who like we never really liked to begin with. And I can go through every single corner and say, um, oh, I wasn't really that high on them or I was high on them. And we'll see like um, Chance Rucker was very high on him. Yeah. There's f- audio and footage and Corey will vouch for that. I was very high on him. <laughs> uh, Caleb Coley, we were all high on him. We'll see. We'll see there. Maybe. I think, maybe the I, I th- I think he's actually going to make a run with this staff because he's not bigger. He's not a taller right. guy. And Mo was so obsessed with height. Right. Uh, where I, I think he's someone that this new staff, they're not going to they're not putting restrictions on height like that. So right. I think he's someone that I still am buying stock on. Yeah. And if he doesn't do it this year, then, then you can uh, tell, then I, I'll admit I was wrong, but I do right. think with this staff, he's got a shot to do something. And, and I think the, um, yeah. So the point that I was going on there was like, every kid wasn't fully well-rounded that like, there's this perception that, Oh, we just hype up every single recruit with Andrew Brinson. He's one of the only recruits I can recall in the last four or five years that a has the speed to cover 50 yards downfield, smother his guy in man coverage at the line, press the guy and jam him at his routes and get his hands on him and be tough. Go ahead and play free safety for a play and absolutely light up a tight end cutting through the middle of the field. And also has the ball skills to take the ball, pick six back the other way. There's guys that we said have been underrated like Caleb Coley likes chance rocker. Um, even I thought Eddie Pleasant should have been rated maybe one point higher. There's a lot of guys that we've said are underrated, but like true sleepers that can come in and play right away and be, be be way better. I think like you haven't really seen that at Michigan State since Josiah Scott, and we haven't really said that other than maybe Chance Rucker. And I think one for one in that regard, I'm saying Andrew Brinson might not need to play as a true freshman. He probably, ideally, he wouldn't because Chance Rucker and Dylan Tatum over there. And then if you can get a best available ahead of them, and we'll see with Caleb Coley, we'll see with a few other guys. But he's a guy that has maybe a redshirt freshman or a true sophomore. He's going to look like he belongs if they need him out there. And his ranking does not say that that's the case. 
I think he's he's criminally underrated. I would say that he's not he's not shouldn't be like a top 100 player in the country or anything like that. But for him to be an 85 is just mind boggling to me. I, I think an 89 to a 91 would all anywhere in that range yeah. would be justifiable. I think he's yeah. four to six rating points away from where he should be. Um, and that's really all I was trying to say here. Like, yeah. I, I, I we might have said an Eddie Pleasant is underrated. We might have said so and so is underrated. But never have I thought that anyone that Michigan State's recruited at DB in the Mel Tucker era was five, four, four and a half, five points mm-hmm. lower than where they should be ranked. So that's what I'll say on Andrew Branson. Yeah. Um, Corey, anything else we want to add? I, I guess yeah. Brady Pretzloff here. Probably, I don't know if I'll probably try to get this uploaded before he goes public. But that's really the only thing that we're watching for the Horizon yeah. today. But rest of the rest of the portal window, we'll see who they target and. I know if there's any 2024s that don't sign this window, Cole and the staff will be very um, will, will be very watchful of that. And yeah, don't really have any names there, so we don't really have much to add there. But I guess anything you want to add, Corey? Uh, no, I think we got it pretty much covered. And then uh, maybe some things will become clear in the next couple of days because, like you said, the staff's always looking and going under every stone that's available and figuring out if there's something that other staffs missed or they might be missing so yeah i'll definitely yeah. stay an active one but i think for now maybe catch our breath a minute and then for sure yeah and you have to run to the press conference at spartan stadium where jonathan smith will be talking shortly so with that definitely check us out on on the 24 7 sports site that's where 99 percent of our coverage is what we say on twitter is barely any of the work that we do so definitely check us out keep an eye out for a promo today or tomorrow there Appreciate you guys tuning in for this week's episode of the SD4L show. I'll be back with Matt Sheehan next week to talk more about this recruiting class. Thanks, Corey, for joining us. Appreciate all your insight. And uh, make sure to like and subscribe. All right. Thanks, guys.